we can easily have a part two of this if you guys want to just all tap out. Like, I would not be offended. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Like, this was a, a good time, and if anything, you prepare us for the next time we do this. I hope everybody's doing good and hyped for the season and all that good stuff. Um, not just happy uh, to hopefully change the game of whiffs or try to. <laughs> okay, so like, should we do this countdown already or what's going on? I guess we could talk about hands part of the bat always or or never. Like, just pick one. So it's just have it clear across the board. Not gonna lie, I don't think that's even a rule. Yeah, so when I first started playing with ball in 2018, uh, the rule book, I'm pretty sure the United rule book was copy and paste from the fast plastic rule book for this. It says that the batter's hands are considered part of the bat only if the batter is swinging. And when I first started playing, I always interpreted that as, you know, if you're if you're doing a check swing, that's part of your swinging motion and your hands are hanging over the plate, obviously your hands are part of the bat. Also, I found out recently that this is just a wiffle ball. Yes. Like, the hands being part of the bat is not a thing in baseball. In baseball, if you swing and the ball hits your hands and you hit it into the outfield, it's a swing and miss. Like, your hands are not part of the bat. That's just a wiffle ball rule. I think that's the baseball rule. I, th I think that's the MLB rule, Tom. No, in MLB, the hands are not part of the bat at all. Yeah. I just want to paint a picture for you guys. It's, you know, the championship game of you with bases loaded, two outs, full count. And, you know, insert name of pitcher here. He throws a riser right down the middle. And the batter checks swings. The ball goes off his hands. But the ball was going to go right down the middle. But it hits the batter's hands. And he doesn't go. He checks his swing. You know, bases loaded, tie game, full count. The pitch was right down the middle. In the first couple of years of UWIP, in the rule book, it said the batter's hands are considered part of the bat only if the batter is swinging. And when I went through the whole rule book with Lanigan, he said, no, that's not true. If you didn't go, then your hands are not part of the bat. I got to pull up the rule book real quick because it's somewhere in there. Um, yeah, so when we revised it, it said the batter's hands are considered part of the bat only if the batter has been determined to have swung. So anyway, sorry, you guys go on. No, no. One thing is, if it's a strike, it's a strike, right? If the person check swings into the zone, that's a strike. If you drop your elbow into a ball, into a curveball, it's a strike still. But that's not the hands. We're talking about part of the bat. If it hits your wrist and or forearm, different situation. As far as the rule says, if you're swinging, your your hands are part of the bat, but a check swing doesn't count as long as you don't go around, which is the problem. Right. So but... we're trying to figure out having the hands be being a part of the bat or not having it be a part of the bat at all. Yeah. So I think the rule is okay the way it is. However, it's too complicated like like i if you ask everybody that's played you with what, what the rule is i bet like five percent would know the rule off the top of their head so it's just one of those things like i don't think the rule is necessarily bad but it could be potentially better if it was simplified how many people are you, people are you pulling for that though i'm saying the whole the whole player body about 5%. I say 2. I mean, if you're throwing your bat out there, you should be expected to also have your hands be a part of the bat, whether you're check swinging or not. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to. So being a part of the bat never I don't agree with, but if you're holding the bat, if you hit it, good for you. Otherwise, if you're holding that bat, the hands should be a part of the bat, and if it hits your wrist and or forearm a a any ball that's gonna end up a strike should be a strike which goes beyond the check swing rule right what i'm saying is any ball that that would hit the strike zone supersedes any check swing rule if it's gonna hit the strike zone and the battle leads into it it should be a strike yes obviously 
I agree. All right, wait, but can I talk about that for a second? Section 6, Rule 1. Are you guys familiar with what I'm talking about? No, because I don't know any of these rules, <laughs> sadly. Section 6, Rule 1. The batter may not intentionally move into the path of a pitch. If it does, he'll be called for a batter's interference, and the pitch will be called a strike. A warning must be given first, and a no pitch will result. The warning remains with that particular batter for the remainder of the game. That means every batter is allowed to lean into one pitch every game. That's stupid. If you lean into the path of a pitch and the pitcher thinks it was going to hit, wait. This should not be a warning. That should be a strike. Wait, so we could have had any one of the four of us in that whiff ink game just yeah, throw an elbow? Yeah, it means, yeah, yeah, you get, you basically, you get four lean ins per team. And please respond because you're a veteran. Thanks. Agreed. Agreed, but at the same time, does that need to be a, does that even need to be said? Well, I think it has to be a rule. The spirit of the rule makes sense. The spirit of the rule, right? Like, you get one shot, don't lean into it, but if you do it again, then it's a strike, so. But. How did you modify it, Yannick? But at that point, we are on the highest level that is available. No, like, yeah. The spirit, like, it makes sense. It has its flaws. Tom, I, how do you fix it? You don't give a warning. Nobody gives a warning in you with. It's like, that's not their style of uh, play. I can understand one warning during the regular season. All right, no, no, seriously, who's next? Who's next? We got to move on. <laughs> Alright, so I want to talk about the uh, the double play triangle. We're saying here, potentially smaller, and don't have to keep your foot in. This is section 1, rule 2, that's the dimensions of the double play triangle. And section 8, rule 6, the fact that you have to keep the foot in the double play triangle. I just think that, you know, I remember, like, at some point, Lanigan said that part of the UF rulebook is supposed to promote high-level play. And I think having a, a tiny double play triangle promotes high level play because the, the flip to second has to be accurate. You don't have this giant triangle that you can play into. You have to catch the ball with your foot in the small triangle. Uh, so I don't think you should have to keep your foot in the triangle when you release the double play throw. That also takes away a judgment call that doesn't need to be there. You can't argue about whether their foot was still in the triangle if that's not a rule. All right. Anyway, everyone else discuss. Oh, I want to mention. So I think this is how we do it at ECW. I'm pretty sure we just make the double play angle smaller because we don't want to measure out the, the, the dimensions. Correct me if I'm wrong, ECW people. And um, and we just say we only you don't have to keep your 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 feet in. And I I I think it's easier for that. And like Tom said, it it takes away a judgment call. The other thing, like. It's not clear. Um, next topic. I feel like every, everybody said what they need to say about it. And, and to be honest, I think there's a lot more because the end at the end of the day, the, the goal of this rule book is to make it shorter and simpler of a game where there's almost an essential less roughing between each of the teams and you, you spend more time playing as opposed to umping or knowing what the rules are. So, Venti, would you like to move on and choose your rule? <laughs> I would love to. I mean, the three seconds and three steps for a ground out. That's a good spot to put that. Yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like, it's probably good for it, but I don't know. Nick and uh, Tom, we talked about this earlier, but should it, should it be timed? So, Gannon, you have a stopwatch out west. Should, should it be timed, or is it more about fluid motion? If you feel the ball cleanly at 0.5 seconds because it's a one hopper that was hit at 90 miles an hour, and you glance at second base, why can't you throw it home when it hits the strike zone at less than two seconds? Like, how is that not now? That's the silliest thing ever. That's that's not the spirit of the fluid motion, of like what you're saying. Yes, but no, but I've had people call me up for Wait, that. Wait, Tom. Tom, so you're you're then coming back to someone having to time things, and that's what it comes down to. Here's what I think it is: when the when the fielder first touches the ball, 
I think that the batter should start counting. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. And like, I don't care if you bobble it, whatever. As soon as you make first contact with the ball, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. If you haven't let go of the throw yet, safe. What do you guys think about that? If you want to remove like the subjectivity of it, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to give Mississippi. I disagree mainly because you're trying to count. All right, well, how long do you think someone should have to, to field the ball? You think someone should have more than three seconds, and how much should they have? Technically, based on the current rule book, you have two seconds and one step. I watched a lot of film. Everyone takes a shuffle. That's two steps. And most of the infield throws are more than two seconds. It might be like 2.2, 2.3, but based on the letter of the law, almost every ground out at UF you could say is a single, which I think is stupid, and it's an embarrassment. Like, the way the rule's written, we don't even play by that. So, honestly, my personal thought would think four seconds. That is me personally. We would then need to have an observer and or an umpire, i.e. at that point, at every field for every play. You are then trying to put more on the other team. I'm not saying that it's not right. It's already their call now. It's already two seconds now. I'm saying it should be three. Two seconds is too short. It's already in the rule book. I don't, I, I don't like the timer to begin with. The problem is fluidity doesn't make sense to some people. I have a question for everyone on the podcast. Has anybody ever played uh, two-hand touch football? Yes. Like in recess? I've played two-hand touch football. Has anybody been the person over the quarterback waiting for the five Mississippi for ah, the free run? Nick, I know where you're going with this. How is that not verbal and clear? And you know if somebody's talking really, really fast. And how about somebody's talking a simple one, two, three. And how do we call tags? We yell tag. And guess what? When there's a dispute about a tag, it usually sorts itself out. Because guess what? Usually the person doesn't talk loud enough or they said it too late and it's clear as day. So with that being said, like if you want to get that call, you count your one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, and boom, there it is. It's plain black and white right there. Because the thing is, if you, like, my opinion is, if this rule was into implemented, I'd be doing it in the field as the fielder. I'd be counting for my own team. I think I'd like to see this tested out in competitive bass pitch and see how it works. That's the main reason we're trying to do this. Yeah, all of this stuff, like, if we try it and people don't like it and we want to change it back, Changing the rules would set the precedent that, like, we can change it back if people think it's not good. Like the Rob home run rule at Golden Stick. I don't know. I just I just feel like a lot of the stuff we're saying is right. It feels so good, Tom. It feels so good. But yeah, Golden Stick changed the rule because of an injury and whatnot. But it also took away from the game, and the players wanted the rule getting changed back, and that's, you know, specifically the robbing the home run. Also, let's uh, bring that injury up real quick. That was because a person that signed a waiver understood that they could get hurt in this, went over the wall, and got injured, i.e. Eric Rosenberg. Hi, Eric Rosenberg. If you have been listening or are listening, thank you for listening. If you're not, not that big of a deal. You're an older person at this point. Hi. Oh, I was part of that game. I know. Uh, that's why I said it. <laughs> Eric Rosenberg hit a home run off me on my, on my first Golden Stick Pro in like 2018. When did Golden Stick Pro like come back? Oh god, that was, that was 2018, 2017, something like that. It was like a draft tournament every time. Anyway, I, I was playing with 603 All-Stars. Me and Derek Fisher were the captains of 603 All-Stars. We drafted Dougie and yeah, me and me and Briggio were a captain that year. Yeah, I hit a bomb off Briggio. I remember like that this tournament was a good time. Anyway, long story short, Rosenberg hit a bomb off me, and uh, 
That's it. Move on. Rosie getting hit. Rosie's the hitter. Um, either way, it was all wavered. Everyone made sure they knew, hey, there is a possibility I could get injured. That was the main thing. But at the same time, changing the rule just because one person got injured. It's almost like saying we shouldn't throw hard anymore because people blow their arms out. Uh, my arm creaks too much now. You're talking to me. I throw harder and more. Um, can, can we talk? Can we talk about whether or not a diving fielder should be allowed up or not? Fielders should be able to still stand up, depending on if they feel it cleanly and fall on their face. <laughs> I have I've seen so many people fall on their face and still feel it cleanly. Give them the same three seconds. They still have three seconds to throw it. If it takes you more than three seconds to stand up, then you don't get to stand up. That's the crux of it, right? Like, it, if it's not said, that then means they can take as long as they want. No, no, no. Well, yeah, maybe. Fair. That, that is the crux of that point, as far as I see. Saying you have to say one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi every time. No, just check the tape when you guys have an argument. People have cameras. Come on, let's be real. Uh, now now it's a lot of replay. You can't expect everyone to record every single thing. Yeah, it, it's on them if they want to call someone on that. The time, it, the recording of the time, like, is a good rule, not a great rule. There's a lot of flaws. Okay, then, Venti, tell me you have an idea for a great rule. Let's hear it. Come on, go. But you guys don't like the fluidity, so I can't say that again, right? That, that's me personally. Well, all right, so, Venti, the fluidity. I remember reading the fluidity rule, and I just didn't get it at all. Where do you draw the line? When does it stop being fluid? Because I've fielded the ball, looked at second, no one's there, and I threw home, and someone tried to say that should be a single, and that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's not easy to judge, right? So this is not going to help the overall problem. So I'm going to admit that. You're, you're right. What I'm going to say is not going to fix what you think is the problem of the rule, but why did you look to second base? I looked the runner back. Like in baseball, if you're the shortstop, you feel the ground ball, Taylor made double play. You look at second, no one's covering. Oh no, throw it to first. You're still going to get the guy. Same thing at third. And your body was going towards home the whole time and you're... Your head just not enough. No, no. What I'm saying is in baseball. Yeah, that, that, that's where I'm comparing it to. A ground ball to short stuff. I'm comparing to baseball too. Ground ball to short. Taylor made double play. The second baseman's hung over. So the short stop, he, he fields it cleanly. He looks at second base. The, the second baseman's not covering yet. Oh no, this is a pretty fast batter. So he turns and he throws to first. He's still going to get the guy. I mean, let's be real. But for Russell Wall, where there's no runners and you have two options... Why did you look at the option that's not an option? Guess what? In UIF, fluidity is not something that's mentioned in the rule book at all. So you have two seconds. From when you feel the ball, you can look at second, walk towards second, and throw home. <laughs> if you take right. less than two seconds to do that, at UIF, that's an out based on the rule book. So we're focused on UIF. This is not even a UIF thing. Let's move on. Let's move on. I like it. So, Tom, you now have the next pick. So when you turn a double play, suddenly you have three times as much time to get to the ball of the backstop compared to a ground out, which when I first started playing, I always just played base running or there was no like flip to second style double play. First time I ever saw that was when I was playing Palisades. And to be honest, I just think it's dumb. I don't understand why you have twice as much time or really like three times as much time. I've seen like a slow ground ball where they back up on it. No one's covering seconds, so they flip it way up in the air. The guy catches it, checks his grip, does this slow, loopy throw to the backstop. And I just think it looks silly. I think it's way too easy to turn a double play. And I think it'd be cool if you had that baseball rhythm. This is another thing that, you know, we do in Vegas where we have the stopwatch where you have five seconds from the batter making contact to the throw home actually hitting the backstop to make a double play. And so, like, there's a second of the ground ball being hit and a second that the throw's on the way. So almost all the plays that we have in Vegas, you know, from the first guy touching it to the second guy letting go is less than three seconds. So I know that people can do it. It's really not that hard. And it would make double plays actually impressive. You know, hitting's really hard. It's too easy to turn it all play. I don't know. What do you guys think? So I think it then comes down to having someone at fields 
always on a timer. And that would be the toughest thing because... Nah, you don't have people on fields being a timer now. Like, there's not that many close plays that are, like, right at three seconds. So, for those few plays, you could either check the camera or it's somebody's call. Which is what it is now. Like, Nick, when I made that diving play against you at UF, that was, like, 2.8 seconds. You guys could have just said that that was a hit, and we wouldn't have been able to stop you. Yeah, and... You, you've said it before, you I looked over five or six different ground balls and it, was, it ranged from two to three seconds and three sounds like that sweet spot where, you know, you're not getting rushed, but you also should have enough time to fire it away. So uh, I guess that I can agree where the double play is cringy at times where you're standing there just waiting for the inevitable of your double play. And I don't know, sometimes it feels like it takes 10 seconds and... It is an eyesore, definitely. Sometimes it literally does take 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've seen... I've, I, I've seen it take 10 seconds before. So it's like, I can understand from that perspective where it's not even visually appealing. There's not as much skill involved, you know, in the play itself. And, you know, as the batter up there, you just like, you're, you're in cringe mode watching the whole entire thing happen. I don't know, even in the highlight videos, coming from someone that mostly played running the bases growing up, every double play you ever see in base running looks sick. Yeah. And I just think, like, it would give that baseball rhythm, it would actually look cool, and, uh, yeah, it's just, I think, I think double plays are embarrassing. And, like, hitting's hard. It I, is. This is another thing that promotes offense that I think totally makes sense. I've seen the five-second rule in Vegas in practice. You can go back and watch the videos. The double plays and look cool and have that baseball rhythm. And if all the guys in that league can do it, then all the guys at UF are good enough to do it too. Agreed. It would make the game more more watchable. I'll agree to that for sure. It would also make the game harder, which would bring out more competition and just a higher level of skill on the field. Where you're not watching a dumbed-down version of fielding, where you're watching a little bit higher level. They're a little bit more of a faster pace. And thought that was pretty cool that Gannon mentioned to me that that's a skill to change the ball really fast as if almost like a shortstop or a second baseman practices their exchange from the glove to their hand and then throwing over to first. So I think another cool that's never been thought about really because like you just always get forever to find your grip and throw the ball. Mm -hmm. So think about every time someone turns a double play it'll actually be sick if that was the rule. I think it'd be better to watch, maybe not as better to play. Yeah, I just think every time a double play is turned, it will be like an impressive feat. Yeah, it, it would definitely be more impressive to watch. It would be more annoying as a player trying to transition from... Having a number to field the ball <laughs> and make a play. <laughs> yeah. Gotta actually be quick. I'm not denying that. I have no problem with that. Yeah, well, also, the other thing is people can go, you know, look up Premier League Whiffle on YouTube and look at some of those games. If all 10 teams of the guys out there can turn double plays, like... There's no reason that we can't either. Like, do you not think you're as good as them? No, I, I honestly think I'm better than all of them. Yeah, yeah, what I'm saying is it wouldn't be that hard to turn a double play. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. It's more of just a matter of... It wouldn't be an automatic... Make or break for a lot of the East Coast people. That's all. Yeah. This is the last crazy thing I'm going to say, rule-wise. If you turn a double play, like if you turn, if there's nobody on base, basically, and you turn a double play by accident for some reason, you know, or there's a guy on second and you turn a double play, I feel like you should still get the batter out. I don't know. Because, like, I've seen it in baseball where a guy gets picked off at first and the middle infielders, like, have a brain fart and turn a double play, but they still got the guy at first. Yeah, I, fo I followed. So... Basically, like, if it was a routine ground out in Major League Baseball and they turned two, even though there was no one on base, you still get the guy out of first. So why not apply that to wiffle ball? Yeah, like, if you if you would have got the guy at first, okay, well, based on the rules, if there was a guy on, you would have got him at first. Why would you not get him at first when there isn't a guy on? You know what I mean? My thing is, is uh, maybe the clean aspect of it. You know, just the clean exchange of you field the ball, like the chess game aspect, I guess you passing the ball off to somebody else to make the throw or whatever the case may be or making the incorrect play where they're stepping on second to make an out and that chess move is essentially made and thus ending the play like you know i if you're coming from that perspective of i don't know i just think like i also think like it, the guy should ha still have to be on second like it still would have to be a full double play i like the cleanliness of it i think there's a responsibility factor here 
That's what I'm saying, to make it like a chess game and not like when it's like he shouldn't have gone the second and gone home. It makes the game sloppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, that's that's just a bonus rule. I think I think I don't think we have to go that deep into it because that I don't think that really necessarily should actually be it. No, that was just for, you were you were just tagging that doesn't necessarily need being it, but you were just tagging it on. All right, guys, let's go into fast mode because the rest of these aren't as whatever. This should be more clear. Anyway, moving on. My pick is section eight, rule three. The infielder has to have their feet on the line to be considered an infielder. Both feet have to be on the line when the pitcher releases the ball. I've got two questions. One, who has ever called that? Two, is it even better to be standing behind the line? Because in Premier League Wiffle, that's not a rule, not something umpires have to look for. It doesn't matter where your feet are. And I still put my heels on the line. Because if you dive laterally, you want to be in front of the line or else even if you make the play, it might not matter. I put my toes on the line. Also, quick interjection. In Golden Stick, it doesn't matter where your feet are. People in Golden Stick pretty much have their foot on the line anyway, because that's the optimal place to play defense. As well as, it shouldn't matter if you put your feet on the line. That's your fault if you're not in the right spot. Yeah, I, I don't care where your feet are. I don't care. I grew up playing Golden Stick. Grew up with the Golden Stick rulebook. So I'm a little biased towards Golden Stick rules. Like, I kind of think they're the best, generally speaking, because that's, that's what I grew up knowing. All right, who's next? Then, unless anyone else has more to say about the feet on the line. I've given my info. One small disclaimer is that if it doesn't matter if your feet are on the line, that also means that the outfielder can turn the double play because all fielders are created equal. Who's next pick? That would be me. So, that actually brings me up to the next point, which would be no dirty singles, no clean singles. Instead, we would have an infield and an outfield, which I hate saying, I think we need to have another line out there. No, first of all, I'm going to firmly disagree with the second line. I think that is silly. But yeah, just instead of did he touch it, like did it go by the line? This is section seven, rule three, the whole dirty clean, whether you touch the ball. So I didn't play baseball at a high level. I got cut from the JV team. But none of the coaches I ever had in baseball ever told me just get a glove on it. They said keep the ball in front of you. And it like makes like a play that you don't make, like you'd still save a run because you kept it in front of the line, even even if you don't make the play, you know what I'm saying? So here in Vegas, we do, if the ball stays in the infield, the runners go one base, and if the ball goes to the outfield, they go two bases. Doesn't matter if the fielder touches it or not. We had, in the playoffs, the umpire was asking the fielder like, hey, did you touch that? Obviously, they all said yes. So it's just so much more cut and dry. Like, did it hit the ground behind the line? You know, it's like, did it hit the fence? automatic double did it touch the outfield automatic you know two base single and think about it in baseball like if the infielder boots it into the outfield the runner's still scoring from second and if they keep it in front of them the runner's not going to score from second so yeah anyone else their thoughts so my question because then we are putting a emphasis on where the ball actually lands so if the ball lands and then bounces from the infield to the outfield and the outfielder catches it and throws it to second would that that would then be considered a double play i'm not saying that would that it would happen consistently i'm that sounds electric do you have a problem with that no i'm i don't have a problem with it I'm just trying to get a basis of where things would be going. I'm trying to get an idea and give people an idea of what's actually happening. Yeah, I just think like that's the way we've been doing it here in Vegas. I don't think we've seen that play you just talked about, but you know, imagine like it touching the wall becomes an automatic double. Like as soon as it hits the ground completely behind the line, like the line's considered part of the infield, but once it hits in the outfield, automatic two base single like there's outfield singles and infield singles and the original premier league wiffle rules was mostly based on the golden stick rulebook like our league was originally just going to be one of the golden stick regions when they're originally expanding all over the place 
So we mostly had rules based on gold stick. That's all we had, clean single and dirty single. And these are these are the reasons why I bring up these questions. I'm trying to I'm trying to give an aspect of different thoughts. Yeah, it's just now that I've seen it in practice, it just takes away so many arguments and it's just so cut and dry and easy, simple. Like the umpires have to make maybe two calls a game. Like it's very simple, easy, obvious. Uh, so after seeing it for 300 games, and you know, I'm just trying to spread the good word. I think everyone should play these rules. Yeah, I was about to say, um, you were just getting down to the juicy stuff that's like very easy where the, the last like five things you're going to discuss can basically be the whole entire rule book, you know, for, for bait hunters. Ball just stays in the infield and it's a single. The base runners move one base. The ball moves into the outfield, the base runners move two bases. If the ball hits a fence, the base runners move three bases. Over the fence, obviously, home run. And then for the batter, you hit it basically in the infield. It's a thing, you know, you move one base. You hit in the outfield, you still move one base. You hit in the fence on the ground, that's two bases. You hit it in the fence in the air, that's three bases. You hit it over the fence, that's four bases. Yeah, like that That could be just the ball in play. That could be the whole rule book. You know, that's literally the base running rules and what happens to the batter when the ball gets put into play. All in literally just like five to ten like statements. So, I think like... I just think that's like where the core of the rules should be based off of, you know, like that's literally what happens when the ball gets put into play and the ball like stops, you know, like just what happened to the ball? Like, I don't care what happened to the fielders or, you know, if the outfielder touched the fence when they dropped it, like what happened to the ball? Where'd it go? Boom. That's it. Done. Yeah. No, uh, the, like, you know, we all said the simpler the better. We have hundreds of people playing you know coming together once a year you know what i mean like the rules should be simple enough where people should be able to remember for years on end and i shouldn't have to be able to read the rule book every single time i go to one of the tournaments that has that type of rule for example either ecw united with with i have to literally read the rule book every time i go i show up i want to add on to what nick just said about reading a rule book it's so secret that I, that I played a lot this summer and it's like I just kind of need to know like the basic the basic differences when I get there so having all these like nitpicky things um when I show up oh it might be a little different here it's like ooh and I think that that kind of goes on to what we were saying about the like having kind of one rule book for the same style of play um how that how that could could benefit so much i mean there's no reason that it shouldn't be as simple as that especially to main mainstream the game so everyone's able to be playing it's really hard to have all of these very niche rules it feels like unless you're studying the the manual <laughs> uh basically the manual this feels like a car manual half the time i'm reading it yeah, this is probably a good time for me to just jump in and say the weird triple thing. Not not the electricity triple. I, I have a hard time judging the rule without understanding, like, the reason for it. And I don't know if it's a safety thing that we were trying to implement or what that sort of genesis was for kind of implementing the rule. You know what I mean? So because I, I don't know what that is and I don't I can't think of what the real benefit is. So I so I was having a tough time with it. I guess maybe the thought process is hitting is hard, and if you hit it that far and that good where they couldn't catch it and it was that far, you should get rewarded, but then the fielder doesn't get rewarded for making a good play, so it's like it's unnecessary and it adds just another thing to umpire during the game instead of just let game play out where the ball lands. And I don't think it says anywhere in the rule book whose call it is for most of these things that we've talked about. This is section four, rule number 14. <laughs> a triple will also be awarded when a fielder touches or hurdles over the wall in an attempt to make a catch and touches the ball but does not make the catch if the ball does not land over the fence, obviously. 
So if you're touching the fence when you touch the ball, or I guess if you touch the fence in the even after the part of the attempt. So basically, if you reach over the fence, slap the ball back, like the ball, you rob a home run, slap the ball back, but you never touch the fence, it's still a single. Unless you fall over the fence or touch the fence. And and also, it does not specify whose call this is. I assume it's just the fielder gets to say whether he touched the fence. I don't know. Or maybe the offensive team is like, hey, you touched the fence. I saw a move. Either way, yeah, I think this is a silly, like, this is a silly judgment call that shouldn't exist. This is only a UF rule. No one else uses this anywhere else. Like, I think this is one of those rules that Maccabees tournaments and ECW don't actually play by because uh, it's weird, and I don't know why it's in there. So I don't either, and I've read the rule book a handful of times, and I still forget about this rule half the time. <laughs> yeah, this is also, like, this and coming out of the double play triangle are definitely the two rules that people just don't actually play by the most. Right? Unless you count the two seconds, obviously. That's the most broken rule that no one cares about. Uh, but this is another one where I've, I've seen a bunch of people call it a single at you if it happens. And I think it should just be a single, so. It's really a matter of where the ball lands. So I completely agree. Having a person move one base forward on the infield, having a person move two bases in the outfield, and three bases if it touches the wall. That would make a lot of sense. It would also make it a lot easier for people to watch it and understand how the game's actually being played. Agreed. It makes the game very simple and, you know, you know what happened based on where the ball lands. I completely agree. You could explain to a new player pretty much all the rules in less than 30 seconds if you took forever. And now we're just, just to be sure too, we're talking about base runner advancements or single, double, triple. This is nothing to do with... The batter, right? This is base runners advancing? R runner advancements. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Outfield is still a single. It's just you move two bases. Yes. At the end of the play. Where does the ball land? That's where the base runners move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fair. Like, you know, you don't have to worry about the finger. Like, it's very straightforward on people could see where the ball lands. Yeah. Right. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Holland, you want to break down number one? this one i've been waiting to talk about this i believe i said it at maw i don't know how many times i'm pretty sure i said it at you with at least once this past year but the hitting line it feels wicked close to the plate way too close honestly where the turf is from our batter's box it feels like a step step and a half it should be closer to the pitcher's mound i don't know how close to the pitcher's mound but if you're running off the mound, you should be able to get to it one way or another. The Las Vegas Whifflers, I'm sure everyone has seen the clip of Steve Trippis hitting oh. that dribbler against the long balls to advance at a Mid-Atlantic opening day tournament last year. That's how they won the game. That was the last play of the game. And I'm sure everyone's had a ground out that barely rolls fair, that takes long enough to get to the line that the pitcher's already waiting for it. And... I just think both of those should just be foul. Like, if the pitchers jump in ready to get off the mound, they should be able to get to everything that's in fair territory. I don't know, just as a pitcher, I want that to just be foul. You know, I just want to throw another pitch and strike him out. And as a hitter, I want those to be foul, you know, just to get another chance. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this is not just our top, but other people's top rule to change. But at the same time, I, I would also understand if people are very used to where the hit line already is. So it might be controversial, but at the same time, it's definitely worth talking about. Because every time I play Mid-Atlantic and or U-Whiffs, it feels very close to the batter. Yeah, this is another one that we did in Las Vegas. We put the line almost halfway, like right in between the pitcher and batter. And granted, we play on turf, but... So, on turf, that makes sense. Yeah, and at the old field, it was much closer to the batter, so every time one of those plays happened where it's like, oh, last season, that would have been a fair ball. I was like, ooh, that should be a foul ball. I'm glad that we're just, you know, it's going to be another pitch instead of just a dribbler. I mean, that's good feedback that you guys have tested it out. I've never felt strongly about this, to be honest, and it seems like you guys probably thought about this a little bit more. Colin, you feel particularly passionate not the rule. I never, I it's like part of the game. Like the line is where the line is. Like I think, you know, if go back pre you with, I don't know if anyone was even measuring them. You might go from like one field to the next in the tournament. 
like it was just different. One could have been, you know, four feet. The next one could have been like nine feet. Um, so it was just sort of because they're lucky hits anyway. And it does resemble baseball in that sense where you can get that like lucky chopper and field chopper or whatever you want to call it, which I guess is fine. I don't think there's much skill there, but it's always hard to, I think, take away take away any offense from the game. Even like crappy offense like that is always a tough sell for me. Yeah, but you're also taking away ground outs that barely go fair. Like you're giving hitters another chance. Yeah, it definitely lets skill there. How do you feel about all the times that the pitcher just flicks it up barely and hits the zone? I think this would take more ground outs away than hits. So I think this is this is a change that would promote offense. You were saying it was a tough sell because it takes away hits. I think it's mostly giving people more chances to hit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, giving them more chance to hit with uh, two strike, one strike out, whatever it is, for sure. And I get it. It's not like a skilled hit, but it is cool watching the pitchers charge in and make those diving plays too, which you would lose. And again, for the sake of like viewership and watchability, that that is a talent, right? That is like athleticism. You wouldn't lose all those because a lot of those are pretty far up the first and third baseline. The ones that are down the line, you would still get. Yeah, you'd still have some, but you would lose some. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I definitely agree it's kind of too close. Like, there are just ones where it's impossible and it's just, you're dead in the dirt. You're just like, you're done. And I get losing that aspect, but if we like the game of fast pitch in terms of the chess battle of the pitcher-hitter, we would want that chance to come up again, is what I would say. I'm not the one banging the table about this, but it definitely is kind of too close. And it is cool to see those plays. You know, so I'm not like banging on the table saying I want these plays to disappear. And like, um, that's, I guess, my thought on that. Yeah, Nick, I, I agree with you. I um, I don't feel super strongly. And clearly there's a whole camp of folks that do. And I don't think you're going to upset anybody by moving it back. I don't think it's going to be controversial. So, yeah, like move it, move it back and then let's see how it goes. The way these tournament circuits and the way these events are happening nowadays and with the way the weather is, you can't tell how fast the ball is going to be rolling out. And there are some fields where the ball is just going to die. And the ball is going to stop and the defense is going to have no chance of getting it. And it's just like, do you really want to see those as hits at the end of the day? And it's not even just those. Think about, do you guys remember the one of these that happened in the championship game where it was a spinner that went behind home plate and then took forever to make it to the line so it was out? I do remember that. Interesting. What champ- that was this year? That was the UF championship game, the juggernauts. I forgot which juggernaut grounded out, but it was like behind the mat, but it didn't quite make it to touch the backstop. Does no one remember this? It was literally like the last inning of the championship. It was a pretty big play. (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) I can post the clip in the chat if you guys actually don't remember this. (laughs) It's very hard to dictate how the game should be played. All right, I just want to mention something we haven't talked about with this cheap line stuff. As you move the cheap line closer to the pitcher, the number of did that ball stop calls goes down drastically, and that is one of the dumbest arguments and one of the more common ones. That is a good point. I'd like to just... Yeah, good point. I'd like to say that that's a good point, and if you don't think it's a good point, I don't, I don't think you played enough competitive wiffle ball to not have at least one of those arguments or one of those awkward moments, you know, whether the person doesn't say anything after making the play or somebody yelling and excited or the person on the hittings team saying it stopped, but the fielder's still going to make the play. And we all know from making these plays that you do have that little bit where the ball, you know, like falls into its circle in a sense where, you know, it still has that last little give and that does eliminate a big just refereeing call in, in general. So that ends the point. Yeah, like how many times has someone said the ball stopped and then the fielder's like, no, nah, I didn't do the rock back, which is a thing, but... You guys get my point. <laughs> if you do move it back, there's less of those ticky-tack balls and stuff, and I don't know what the amount of feet is, you know. It is the worst part of the game. Yeah, it's one, it's one of the worst awkward situations. Like I said, you haven't played enough. If you haven't had at least one of those, it takes away from the fun. At least I've experienced it. And this is why we need to test it out on grass. But do we have any closing remarks I just want to ask Venti if he's more convinced after hearing the did that stop reason. Yeah, you know, 100%. I, it's a great job. I don't know if you were intentionally holding it back and be like, you know what we hadn't thought of, but if you were, props to you. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> yeah.
Please go on, Venti. No, I'm sorry. That's all I had. No, I and I think that is a uh, what Gannon brought up. That situation that occurs is probably the worst part of football championship game. People are arguing about whether the ball stopped or not. The worst thing that can happen. Take away that. I mean, I think you just improved the game there. Kind of throw out everything we've talked about, right? You can't completely get rid of it, but moving the line a lot closer to the pitcher takes away most of them. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, well, and then basically instead of arguing, it's just a do-over and it's a foul ball and see if you hit the next one. Yeah, I mean, we show up there to swing the bat. It shouldn't be a big deal to run it back up whether you're on offense or pitching. And at the end of the day, if you were to eliminate those from the game, it would just make the experience that much better because... Like, if I were to go through the games in my head of all the games that I've played and I find those situations, like, it's, you know, you try to forget those things. But if that thing pops up in your head, it's like, oh, yeah, that was shitty. Yeah, and I think, Venti, I think Colin meant, like, closing remarks for, like, the whole pod, like, the whole two-part thing. (laughs) Oh, really? My bad. (laughs) I think at this point, yeah, we're done. We've talked about everything. What else do you got? No, I look, what was the first... What's listed on UWIF's website? Is it 89 when the first national championships were declared? If I got that right? Uh, let me see. History. 89. Yeah, the games just come so far in 35 years. I think it's awesome that folks are just still around that are passionate to continue to make it better. Um, and just, I love all the work people put in writing the rules taking the time to do it nothing's ever perfect and you know respect and very much appreciate the people pulling the rule book together and then the people trying to improve the rule bucket so just, this was just a great conversation i think a lot of good things something's debatable but something that like i think all four of us left thinking like oh yeah there's seems like an easy win like an easy improvement which is pretty cool good for the game it was good to i guess discuss things that people really should jump on board what what's the big deal if things have been the same way for 20 years if it was if it's that bad change it the next year change it back to the way it was there are just certain things that are like venti said that are super simple that should be easy changes that we should just at least try at least some of the things i know for a fact will make the game just a lot more fun to play That was a bad joke. Please don't put any of that on. Yeah, I'll, I'll delete that. Don't worry, Carl. <laughs> what is happening? First off, Venti, thank you for coming back. Nick, thank you for coming back. Sadly, we could not have Ethan tonight. He was working. But I thank you guys for coming back and talking about this more. And there was a lot that was cut out. And I thank you, Tom, for doing a lot of the editing because you wanted to talk about this immensely. And I can't blame you. Oh yeah, this part has been 18 months in the making, I think. The This was a great podcast, but at the same time, we do need to end it. Doki, I know one thing that me and you talked about that we forgot to mention. Uh, I think you know you're talking about, like, the fact that when you touch second for a double play, it really counts for first base. Yeah, like, the whole, the whole situations, but, like, there's game footage of people not doing it in the Sweet 16, like, not playing by the rules in the Sweet 16, and... Enom C4. Yeah, it causes, like, essentially... What inning is that in? Can you, can you break this down, actually? If I remember correctly, it was runners on first and second. Yeah, it was runner first and second, I think and c4 went to turn two and norris i believe missed the throw home and what got put on base like on display on on the screen was first and third and then the next play you see is a ground ball and then packer ends up turning two and they walk off the field if i'm not mistaken wouldn't that be second and third if they missed the double play or am i wrong yeah that's that's supposed to be right around second and I believe this has been a thing since the first year, if you miss a throw. So, so it should be runner second or third, and then essentially that play that happens where I think it was Norris who tosses the ball to, to Packer. Shouldn't have been considered now, and it should have been considered a hit because it was second and third, and there was no force at second. So, like you had an instance in the Sweet 16 where two veteran teams, a three-time national champion team, Phenoms, one of the most highly regarded teams in wiffle ball, you know, 
Yeah, they didn't even they like both teams that like a like that kind of messed up the fact that it's that complicated where some of the most highly decorated, most experienced wifflers that we have, you know, they're not even playing by the rules. End up not even playing by the rules, you know. On Sunday, on the biggest stage at the time, on Sunday, there's only four games left. Yeah, and that flip to second is just everybody's safe too. It's not even like they get nobody out. It's it, actually it's first and third and a run scores technically. Like it creates the whole new scenario. It just like if you designate what happens when something happens, it just makes it easier instead of this only happens when this occurs in this situation in this situation in this situation in this situation it should just be what ended up happening to the ball at the end of the play so as much as we can get the rule book kind of to be like that yeah ladies and gentlemen we have brought it back around to where will the ball land and easily a great way to end it yeah no 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 at this point like it's over i'm just i'm just uh talking the shit with everybody so if everybody has shit to do they can hang up <laughs> yeah you guys are also we're, i'm still recording you just so you know i'm still planning on using some of this uh let's not use too much of this because i don't want i don't want too much yeah yeah, yeah. i know that specific thing you want me to cut out thank you i might what you telling me to cut it out though just like so people are like what he said <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry for sounding like too much of an ass um yeah i'll delete you being an ass <laughs> Uh, I fucking hope so. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Please don't actually put that in. <laughs> nice. My name is Colin Prentice. This has been Athlete's Foot. As they say in Canada. Peace out. Alright, before I stop recording, is there anything anyone wants to say on the record? No, sir. Not for me. Hey, Randy. What's up, man? I love you. J-Squad. I think it's time to blow this thing. Get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two.